Welcome to the Transformations with Jane podcast. I'm your host, Jane Nakata, a coach for women who want to live their best life wherever they may be. If you want to hear real stories about people living life their way, and you want to learn about having more peace of mind and confidence, then this is the podcast for you. I hope you'll enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Transformations with Jane podcast. I'm your host, Jane Nakata, a coach for women and a podcast consultant. Today I am coming to you from my recording studio in Japan, which is actually my closet. Um, I have not been recording in here for over a year now, and um, and it's nice to be back. So um, I have no microphone, I have no clothing up in my wardrobe to absorb any of the sound, so I do apologize for the quality of the sound this week. (laughs) You may also hear my dog barking in the background downstairs while butterflies pass through our garden or birds or cats. Um, He likes to be on guard, so he may be a feature in our recording today. So thank you so much for following along on the journey as we move back from Sweden to Fukushima Prefecture here in Japan. It was a very long journey. It is took, it's taken over a month from the time that, from our moving day in Sweden, which was something like the 18th or, you know, was the 20th or something like that, um, of December, the day we moved out of our apartment to the time when we actually moved into our house here in Japan and got some of our things back from storage so that we were able to actually live in our house, that we had a sofa and a dining table and, you know, some pots and pans and things that we didn't need to take with us stored away for the day that when we came back. And I'm really glad that I did that because they came in handy, you know, um, more quickly than I imagined, considering our three-year stint in Sweden was, yeah, cut short to just the one year. So it feels, we feel like um, it's been, like being a ping pong ball really, being um, sent back and forward between Europe and Japan in the last year. But now that we're here, hopefully things will be a little bit more settled for a little while at least. So I'm very grateful to be home in my own house and um, yeah, where nobody can say you have to leave or you have to go to a different country, hopefully, um, for a while anyway. So yes, this week I would like to tell you a little bit about what happened and something that might help you where you are in your life at the moment. So last year we were due to move out of our house and it was the morning of the day that we were supposed to move out of our house. And I got woken up at like two o'clock in the morning and I had terrible stomach pain and I thought, oh no, what is this? And so I got up and I took some pain relievers and went back to bed, tried to go back to sleep, no, it didn't work, still having stomach pain, got up again thinking, well, maybe I'll just take one more pill, maybe that'll help, maybe that's what I need, got up, got to the kitchen, and then proceeded to nearly faint in the middle of the kitchen at, I think it was four o'clock in the morning by this time, so I called my husband, and he came and dragged me back to bed, and I was lying there, the room was spinning, and I felt like I was, um, I don't know, like my body was shaking, I sort of felt like I was in shock almost, and 
obviously I had a sore stomach and I've had an ovarian cyst before and I've had an operation from that and I thought, oh, please let this not be the day where I'm having another one of these. And I just thought, this is not good. I need to call an ambulance. So we call the equivalent of, you know, one one in New Zealand, we call 111. Well, in Sweden, I think it's 112 or something. And so we called and I spoke to a nurse at four o'clock in the morning and she said, okay, I think we need to send an ambulance to you. And so they sent an ambulance and half an hour later or so the ambulance arrived and they said, okay, I think we need to take you to hospital. So they put me in the ambulance and took me to hospital at five o'clock in the morning. And so when I got to the hospital, um, obviously, like we were in the middle of, you know, COVID-19 situation here. So I was wondering what's going to happen when I get to the hospital. And when I got there, um, you know, people are wearing face shields and masks and gowns and all these things. And they um, took my temperature and made sure that I wasn't, you know, didn't have a fever or anything at least. And then I had, you know, bloods done and all this sort of, work, you know, blood workup done and all these things tested. And then I saw um, two doctors who checked me very, very thoroughly and I waited and waited and waited. And they said, oh, we cannot see what's happened um, maybe it was a small cyst that burst and that was what caused your pain, etc. So now we're at nine o'clock in the morning on the day that I'm supposed to, we're supposed to move out of our house and I'm sitting in the emergency, in the equivalent of an emergency room um, <laughs> by myself wondering how I'm going to get home and I'm wearing my pyjamas and it's like minus two degrees outside. Because when I got in the ambulance, I was not in the state of mind to think about, oh, what am I going to wear home? Like, I didn't even take a jacket, you know, I didn't even think about that. No, not even the ambulance people said to me, do you think you might need a jacket? They just popped me in the ambulance. And um, so then I'm sitting in this, um, I'm feeling much better now by, by this point. So that was really good. I managed to get an all clear um, from the doctors, and I was feeling much better. I was having less, far less pain, and they said, oh, you're okay to go home, but if something else happens, you can just come back, you know, no problem, and so I was very grateful for that care and to get a clean bill of health despite what had happened at two o'clock in the morning. So I called my husband, and somehow he came and got me and bought me some clothes to wear home, and so we got home, and yeah, our house was in the middle of being packed up, and that's great that my husband was able to get on with the moving thing, like, um, you know, get them started with packing up our house because, you know, trying to get the moving company to come the next day is not really going to happen. Yeah. So um, we were on a really tight schedule. But the problem was that I had booked a PCR test, which is a COVID virus test which you need to have a certificate from a doctor saying that you do not have um, the virus at that time. And this needs to have been done 72, a maximum 72 hours before you get on a plane to come to Japan. If you are not, or well, at that time, if you were not a Japanese citizen, which I am not. So I had booked a test for, I think it was, 7 a.m. that morning and I was still in the emergency room at that point being checked out by doctors so I missed my test so I started to like frantically try and get another test booked and I even called the clinic where I wanted to go and they were like oh Chris just got people coming out at you we're so busy 
I don't think you can swing as you win. Um, and so I was left thinking, well, how am I going to get to Japan if I've got no test? And so I tried other clinics, and to try and get a test on that day was just impossible. They were all full because it was right before Christmas, and a lot of people in Europe needed a test to prove that they could travel to a different country. A lot of people wanted to go home for Christmas. And so, yeah, the, the tests were all booked out. I booked this test a month in advance, thinking, oh, how organized am I? Well, what I should have done was book two or three tests and cancel the ones I didn't need later. Anyway, lesson learned there. Um, so, yeah, we were, and then I was not feeling like I really wanted to travel either. I did not feel like getting on an airplane for 11 hours was what I really wanted to do at that point. So my husband and I decided that, okay, we would need to postpone our return to Japan until we could get a test done and then find a flight that was going, that would we could get on. And anyway, so we packed up our house and that went rather smoothly. However, I was not there to or I was not really with it, even once I got home, I just really wanted to take it easy and rest to supervise the packing and what went in this in the shipping for the sea, what went in the air freight boxes. So I'm not really sure uh, when we'll see our things again, but um, hopefully my husband put some useful things in the air freight boxes. And at the end of the day, we moved to a hotel. So, you know, we're super lucky in all of this that our move is obviously it's not what we wanted to do, but um, my husband's company was taking care of us through all of this. And so we had somewhere to go and stay for that, what was supposed to be two nights before taking our flight back to Japan, which ended up being a few extra nights. And so we um, were very lucky to have a nice hotel um, on the river in Gothenburg. And so we spent, I think it was five or six nights there altogether. We had to wait an extra four days before I could find a place that would give, take a test, uh, where I could take the test, and then trying to get a flight. And there was the flight, you know, getting on the flight that had enough seats. And at the moment, um, some airlines are distancing people within the plane, so there are not that many seats available, and there's not that many planes flying. So it can be really, really tricky. Somehow we managed to get rebooked on a different flight. I managed to get a test, and the test came back, and I was negative for COVID virus, thank goodness, because if I hadn't been, God knows when we would be able to get back to Japan. So we checked in for our flight with no problems, and that was really nice. When I showed my letter saying that I was negative for a COVID virus, the man um, at the check-in counter was like, excellent, and then checked us in very quickly. And, you know, recently we've traveled back and forth between Japan Sweden and it's been a real, real drama even just to get checked in because they want to double check that you will be allowed to enter the country when you get there. And you're trying to get back to Sweden, it took us nearly an hour to check in because they wanted to make sure that we were allowed to come back. Anyway, so yeah, we had a really nice trip back. It was surprisingly nice after all of this drama in the background, trying to book tickets, rebook tickets, trying to get a PCR test, waiting for the results. Um, and just, uh, I think it was the day that the results were coming back and we had to wait till four o'clock to go and pick up the results from the clinic. And my heart was just in my mouth the whole day thinking, oh my God, if I do not pass this test, we can't leave. And, you know, even if you are feeling well, you just never know, right? Like 
sometimes people don't have symptoms. So, yeah, so it was fine in the end, but I definitely put myself through um, a little bit of stress on that last day in Sweden, let's just say. So my husband too, my poor husband in the background, reorganizing all of this um, after my dramatic trip to the hospital at four o'clock in the morning. So we arrived in, um, in Osaka and we wanted to go to Totori because you need to self-quarantine when you arrive in Japan. And Japan's meaning of self-quarantine is different to other countries, I feel. And um, in, when we arrived, it is that you quarantine somewhere in your home and you are supposed to stay home as much as possible. But, you know, if you have to go out to get food and stuff, that's okay yeah, for really important things. And so we had nowhere to go because our house was completely empty and there was no way we could move into it um, with nothing there and being supposing to quarantine. So we went to uh, my in-law's house, which is quite big and spacious and there's lots of space for us there. And luckily we all passed our tests to enter Japan. That was a very interesting, um, it was interesting to see how they managed it because when you get off the plane, they... Uh, let you off gradually and they line you up in different places and they stagger it so that spread, spreading people out, having people walking to various areas to do different things like go over here, pick up your sample kit, walk over there, do your sample, now walk around here over to this other place, get your temperature taken, walk over here, um, give your details where you're going to be staying, walk over here, sit down and wait until your number comes up. And then you may leave and, you know, all of this. So as a foreigner coming back, my last hurdle was to go through immigration. And immigration was really empty, <laughs> which is nice. Um, sometimes you come back and immigration is just heaving with people, at, um, especially in the Rita Airport. But um, there was nobody, you know, we walked straight up and there was about 20 staff just waiting to help you. Like, there, because there's not a lot of um, passengers, and they have a lot of stuff um, just guiding you, like come over here, sit down here, stand there, whatever. Um, and they're really, really desperate to help you and to do something. And they were all really lovely. And so getting through immigration, that was where I had to show my letter um, to say that I had passed the PCR test in Sweden. I really wanted to see that. And then, like, normally you would just stand there while they do it and it would be a minute or two that it would take to take your photo and your fingerprints and stamp your passport and all of that. But this time they wanted to be really thorough about things. And so we were told, um, we gave all our things to them and then we were asked to, we were given a number and to sit down and wait. And after 10 minutes or so, we were called back again and we were allowed to enter Japan. So... At that point, I finally felt I could let a huge sigh of relief out that we made it back to Japan. And yeah, so after we finished our two weeks in quarantine with, you know, no, um, you know, completely fine, and we were able to um, get our car back from my parents-in-law and drive all the way back to our actual house, I finally felt like, okay, I'm home. And because it had been such a stressful departure from Sweden in the last five days, scrambling for tests and trying to pass tests and all of that, that two weeks of just basically not being able to do anything, and I didn't even leave the little village 
for pretty much like the whole two weeks. Yeah, the only time I might have left was when I went for a walk. And you know, you know, there's nobody around. <laughs> it's just a tiny farming village. Went for a walk with my dog into the fields. Um, in the snow, <laughs> and I was fine, it was completely fine, I mean, obviously I had a Wi-Fi connection, which was fabulous to have, um, because last time we had our two weeks of quarantine back in March in Japan, we had no Wi-Fi, and it was a nightmare, anyway, um, so yeah, I just spent that two weeks wandering around the fields with my dog, playing in the snow with my kids, trying to keep warm, um, and it was a really nice chance to calm down after all of that drama trying to get out of Sweden and get back down to Japan. And yeah, now we're, now we're in our home. We have furniture, as I said, and in a few more days we'll have even more things arriving from Sweden that we need for our life here um, until all the rest of our furniture comes on the ship in a, probably another couple of months. So that's where we are at the moment. And I just wanted to um, to just tell you that little background story because, you know, even if you've been following on Instagram, I know a lot of you follow on Instagram and on Facebook, then it's hard to actually see what was really going on behind the scenes and behind the, um, you know, the veneer of those social media networks and things. So, yeah, it was a very stressful time, but we came out the other end. And... That is also, to me, quite amazing. There's so many things um, popped up, so many challenges popped up. I mean, while we, when we were about to leave Totori to drive back to Iwaki, this massive snowstorm came along, like two days before we were supposed to leave, and the storm lasted for three days. I've never seen anything like that um in Tokyo. while we were there we had a, a massive snowstorm as well it was two huge snowstorms in the time that we were there and we had to stay an extra day because there's no way we could have driven safely away at that point so we stayed an extra day that was fine but it was we had to move our moving in day back because we had we wouldn't have been there by then so you know we, we had to reschedule our hotel and the door hotel and all of these things and, but whatever happened, somehow it just worked out in the end, yeah? Somehow the moving company was like, oh, it's okay, we can come two days later. Perfect, that works really well for us. We should be able to get there by then. The hotel was like, yeah, no worries. Of course they have a room for us, a pet hotel. Yeah, okay, see you then. Um, somehow, through, you know, enough and none of it was just completely smooth sailing, but somehow we got through it in the end and somehow it all worked out. So... Yeah, if you can move internationally <laughs> during a pandemic and get there safely in the end, there's so much to be grateful for, isn't there? So, yeah, have a, maybe, yeah, if you stop and have a think about some of the things that, um, you know, have gone so, been, been challenging, let's just say, this year, gone wrong, but have somehow worked out in the end, it gives you faith that things can work out. So I will just pause there for a moment. So back again, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, so I was t talking about how things can work out, whatever happens. So if you go back to the last year, take some time just to write down in every month the, the good things that happened and the bad things that happened, 
maybe choose a different color pen for each uh, each. Uh, so for good things or frustrate uh, good things, really nice things that happened, things that were really great, and another color pen for things that weren't so great, things that were challenging, upsetting, frustrating. And I think you'll find that there's actually a good balance or even more good things than bad things. If you take the time to write it down and say, I did this actually just yesterday, and I was like, wow, there's a lot of red here. Uh, red is for my good color, okay? There's a lot of red on this page, actually. And if I, in all of the challenging things, if I rename them, they could actually um, be quite good. Yeah. <laughs> so you would think that now having been through a nuclear disaster, having a, you know, um, that massive earthquake 10 years ago, it's almost exactly 10 years to the day, that I would be a complete professional at this. And I honestly say I'm still working on that. How can we, um, you know, not accept, but get through the things that happen to us that we have no control over? And this last year has been just a constant um, practice in that. You would think that I would have mastered it by now. Um, I, after this last episode, I would say not perfectly, but the thing is that I think as long as you get up again and keep going, and get on with things afterwards then it's okay yeah and you can remember next time oh, okay well you know remember that time when you, we were in Sweden and we thought we might be stuck in a hotel for weeks because we couldn't get flights and PCR tests <laughs> that worked out here we are this can work out too yeah so it's good to have those memories to remind you that we can get through anything yeah so What's happening next? Well, this year, well, it's January, right? So this year, um, I'm sort of holding off, really making lots of big plans, and I just want to see what happens now that I'm here in Japan. Um, it's a different location. I'm back in my old city, which I love. I want to reconnect with people who I have not seen or not you know, it's not possible to see everybody at the moment, but can still reconnect and be in the same time zone really helps. Be able to contribute to my community, especially in this year when we are entering, as I mentioned before, the 10th anniversary of the, the Higashi Nihondai Shinsai, which is the East Japan, the Great Eastern Japan disaster that happened in 2011. Um, it's less than two months to the anniversary of that, and I really want to contribute to that a memorial of, of that in some way here in my city. And as you know, I've been working with my podcasting uh, clients, and I have another new show that's going to be coming out this year that I'm helping to produce, and I'm actually going to be managing this show, so I'm very excited about this and to be able to bring my podcasting skills to that. So if you are thinking, oh, I want to do a show, but I don't actually want to do it, I just want to record the, the recordings, then yeah, you can contact me about um, having me work as a show manager for you. And that's pretty much doing everything else except the recording and having my, my team of people who help me um, work on the show for you. So, yeah, um, 
keep an eye out on the podcast over the next few months. I'm wanting to do more interviews with people. And a lot of people I want to interview are in Japan, so it's great to be back on the same time zone. And if you're listening and thinking, well, I would be a great <laughs> guest for this podcast, please let me know. I would really love to consider you. If you're listening to the podcast, you'll probably make an excellent guest. And if you look back through my guests, I've had some really fantastic um, movers and shakers on the podcast. And I've also had some people who are just doing normal life. Yeah, you know, they're just living the best life they can. And so you don't have to be, you know, CEO of this or, or whatever, you know. If you have a story that you'd like to tell and that you would like to give a voice to, then please let me know. Yeah, I'm all about giving um, voices a chance, in, especially in this year. And, you know, through podcasting, it's a great way that we can reach more people. And that's part of the reason why I'm focusing a lot on my podcasting um, services this year as well, is to give more, um, especially voices of women, a chance to be out there on the airwaves and for all of us to be able to hear them. Okay, we'll see you again in a couple of weeks, I think. Yeah, and hopefully I will have a interview for you in the coming weeks too. So thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you again soon. Bye-bye.